So, here we are. Lesson 78. And um, we are going to do a little bit of, uh, again, backtracking because this passage has so many things that tie things together. Now, am I, how many read my email? I notice. Okay, I do send it out to a few people. All right, so this is a little, this is a bait and switch. I'm sorry. I was going to teach on uh, the rewards versus the judgment, but don't walk out. Don't walk out now. All right. So, uh, but then I got into starting that and I saw this thing about resurrection and I thought, you know what? I need to talk about the resurrections before I talk about the judgment because that comes first. <laughs> so, Tonight we're going to look at the resurrections, of which there are two, although there's only one that is mentioned, the first resurrection. But if it's the first, then that implies that there must be a second or at least another one. So we look at this, um, this passage that we've been studying in, Revelation chapter 20 is where we are. So if you'll go with me there, Revelation 20, and uh, top of your page, we're going to start in verse 4, and then skip some passages and go down to verse 11. So, Revelation 4, then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. Also, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God. And those who had not worshipped the beast or its image, and then not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection, that is, those who came to life and lived for the thousand years. Verse 6, blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. Then skipping down to verse 11, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. And from his presence earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. So, these two resurrections. Now, although the word resurrection, look at verse 6, blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection over such the second death. So it doesn't say second resurrection, that is never mentioned in the, in the Bible. It's never called a second resurrection. However, look at what it says about these. It says, um, verse 12, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. So, I'm going to know what the Greek word for resurrection is. Anastasis, from which we get Anastasia. Right? Anastasia. And anastasis comes from the word stadia, which means to stand, and ana again. To stand again. And so it means to stand upright again. Now, the Greeks used it in ways that we don't. But when I was in China and I was teaching in the, in the pastors' groups, and one of the passages I used. Uh, used the word resurrection. And I was telling the pastors, I said, you may have to explain resurrection to people because how often do you use resurrection in any relationship except the Bible? We, we don't see resurrections you know, from in the hospital. Uh, we don't see, you know, resurrection. It's not a common phrase that's used, especially by unbelievers. David, the papers are out on the table when you came in. There should have been some papers there. Sorry. And um, so 
the idea of, of resurrection is, is not the same as everybody else, you know, would use it to stand again. So that's what resurrection means. You were standing, you died, right? And now you're standing again. It takes us again back to Job, that I know I have a redeemer. I believe my redeemer lives, and one day I will stand upon this earth. And so he knew that there was going to be a standing again. Well, look at verse 12 again. And I saw the dead, great and small, doing what? Standing. That's three-fourths of the word resurrection, anastasis, right? It's three-fourths of the word. I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. They were dead, and now they're standing. Now, here's the problem. We think resurrection means resurrection to life. But they're not being raised to life. They're being raised to eternal death. They've been in the, and I will use this phrase again next week, they've been in the waiting room for hell. That's basically what Hades is. And the place where the unbelievers in this world those who aren't believers in Jesus Christ, when someone dies and they're not a believer, they go to Hades, which is, as I refer to it, the waiting room for hell. Because no one is in hell yet. Not until we come to chapter 19 of the book of Revelation is anyone there or any being there, and that's the first to be there is the false prophet and the beast. Then in chapter 20... It's going to be the devil. And so they will be the first three, and then added to them is Hades and death are thrown in there also. But Hades is added because it's been emptied. Who emptied out the waiting room? Jesus did. What did he do with them? He made them stand before him at the great white throne. And so that is what the dead will, in a sense, be resurrected. But because, because resurrection just doesn't fit with dead to dead, we think dead to life. All right, But they will be dead, being made to stand again before the great right throne. Now, get some stuff we'll talk about next week. But going back to verse 6, it said, Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection the end of verse 5 said this is the first resurrection well now immediately you look at that and say okay this is this is all the way at the end of the millennium and this is the first resurrection i mean really haven't there been any resurrections before this who can think of a resurrection that came before this time well yeah jesus <laughs> jesus was what? Resurrected. Yeah, so that's the first resurrection. And as we're going to see, there are several, I, I just refer to them as events within the first resurrection. So and since there's just two resurrections, the resurrection unto life and the resurrection unto death. And so we'll be looking at those things as we go through. So first point, the first resurrection. John adds this, this note in here concerning this first resurrection. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years was completed. So he says there's this, there's this resurrection. Where did that resurrection come from? Well, it comes from all the way at the beginning, verses 4 through uh, 5, or 4, actually just verse 4. Those who had been believers, those who had, had testified of Jesus and had been beheaded for the word of God and those who had not worshipped the beast. And so he, he speaks of these who have been raised up and then he talks about the rest. Who's the rest? All the other people who did believe, who were those who worshipped the beast, who took the mark. 
those who did during the time of the tribulation bowed out, those who in the millennium rebelled against the Messiah as he was returning. Those are the ones who are the rest. Now, again, those are people we're going to talk about in next lesson. John calls the resurrection of the saints from all ages the first resurrection. First, not don't think of first in time. Because mo most of the time in the Greek word first, which is our word primary, uh, the root for our word primary, and primus, and it means first in order, first in a category, first in rank. All right, so think of the first resurrection is a rank. It's a category. And the first or the primary resurrection, go say it that way. I like that. The primary resurrection started with Jesus Christ. You say, wait a minute, there were people raised from the dead in the Old Testament. There are people raised from the dead in Jesus' life. All right? But being raised from the dead is not resurrection. Resurrection is unto, unto life. Those who were raised from the dead during Jesus' ministry, what happened to them? They died again. So they, they didn't receive a resurrection because the Bible is going to tell us something about this category. It's not just that they were dead and came to life. That's being raised from the dead. People have that even in our society today. They resuscitate. These aren't people who are resuscitated. They are raised out from the dead. Basically, the idea that is being used here. Out from the dead. They were dead, and now they've been raised out from it. They are no longer a part of that category called dead. But there is still a category called dead. Is there not? And the rest of them will be raised, right, at a certain time. So there is a, a category of resurrection. And this is called in the scriptures, uh, there's several there down toward the bottom third of your page. There's several different names for this that are used in the New Testament. Uh, in Luke chapter 14 and Acts 24, it's called the resurrection of the righteous. How many of you are righteous? All right, so this is the resurrection of the righteous. And the resurrection of the righteous. Then in John chapter 5, 29, it's called the resurrection of life. Zoe. It is the resurrection of those who are Christ's at his coming. I like that one. Resurrection of those who are Christ's at his coming. That's the rapture. And so we've got Jesus' resurrection. Now we've got the rapture. Now there's a resurrection at the end. All these different events. But they're all the first resurrection. They're all in that category of first resurrection. And I'll break this down a little bit more here in just a little bit. And then finally, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 35, it's called a better resurrection. And so, this resurrection that we're talking about is not just coming back from death to live for a while and then die again. I mean, how, how glorious do you think it was for Lazarus to be dead and then come to life? <laughs> wow. <laughs> he heard his name. Lazarus, come. And that's all Jesus said, and <laughs> there he is. It's like, what? And so suddenly he's standing there again. Wouldn't you love to have been in his home sometime with him telling the story? He'd been there for four days. What did he see? Now, he wasn't in the new heaven and the new earth. 
He was in the paradise of God, which at that time was still in the earth. Jesus took that paradise to heaven. But he was in a glorious place, a place of peace, a place of joy, a place where <laughs> there was no pain. It's like, hey, this is good. And now he's back on the earth, and it's like, yeah, I like this, but, man, it's, it's pretty good over there. <laughs> you know, it's like, his, his sister Martha was cooking for him, so that was good. Probably better than Mary cooking for him. But anyway, so, you know, let the cook be the cook. But he was going to die again. When Jesus rose from the dead, many of the Old Testament saints came out of the grave and walked about the city for a number of days. We don't know how many days. Jesus was on the earth for 40 days. Maybe they, maybe they walked around for 40 days. We had no idea. It doesn't tell us. But all those people had to go back to the grave. Their, their, their soul went with, to paradise with Jesus, but their body went back into the grave. Because it's not time for the resurrection of the Old Testament saints. And so their bodies went back. They did not receive resurrection bodies. They just had a 40-day adventure. My, my favorite image has got to be John the Baptist, who had lost his head, right? walking into Herod's bedroom. got to be the middle of the night right just a little bit of candlelight glowing off in the corner just enough for Herod to see <laughs> hi <laughs> I don't know I just some some things just amuse me but anyway but they had to put their bodies back down but the spirits went to heaven thank God for that and every believer since that day, who has died, has ascended to the paradise of God. And it's a wonderful place if we hear the testimonies that come back, and people have, have had incredible experiences, and, you know, a, a death and life again experience. And some people hardly know they had it. Other people got so much detail, and they see different things. Did a funeral for couple little Mexican kids a number of years ago that drowned out at Keystone Dam and um, it's a little four-year-old and his mom was just overwhelmed she she was beside herself she had no idea how, how she was going to deal with this and she hardly spoke a word of English and so I had to work through interpreters the morning of the funeral, I went to the funeral home, and she was in the room with the casket. And she came running over to me as soon as she saw me. And she said, God spoke to me. And he allowed Lalo, which the little boy's name was Eduardo, but I guess Lalo is a Mexican way of saying Eduardo, Lalo came to me, and he talked with me, and he told me that he'd been with Jesus, and they rode ponies, and there was hills, and they played, and I had some friends, but Mama, I, I love you, I missed you, but I love life there. And then he said, they talked, he talked with her for a little while. And she said, and then he said, Mama, I got to go. Jesus is coming, and we're going to ride a fire truck. <laughs> now, some of you are like, really? Fire trucks in heaven? If you're a four-year-old, you know, we talk about mansions, going fishing, golfing. Not me, but you, know, you, you might talk about it. Why not a fire truck? So I used that 
And I had no idea that there was about 20-some firemen that had come who'd been part of the rescue team, and they were overwhelmed. And we all cried. And I can hardly tell the story now without crying. But anyway, what do we know that's in heaven? Glorious things. Glorious things. And most of us have someone or some many who are there. Freed from all the junk of this world. (laughs) What's going on now? Free from all of that. But you know what? That's not going to hold a candle to what's going to be in the new heaven, new earth. As heavenly as heaven is, (laughs) it's not the new heaven. (laughs) How do you... How do you even measure that? How? I got to teach on that in a couple of weeks, so pray for me. All right. But this first resurrection is opposed by something called the second death. All right, so it's a first resurrection, a second death, but it's a resurrection to life, and the dead are resurrected. So, to me, it's a first resurrection to life and a second death, a second resurrection to death. All right, so you'll see that in my little chart here coming up in a minute. But here's the point. One of the things he says, look at the bottom of page one, the second death is eternal hell. Eternal hell. But the truth is that no child of God, none of us who have believed, will ever face that eternal wrath. None who have believed. Look at Romans 5, verse 9. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood. Been justified by his blood? Made righteous, that's the word justified made righteous by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from what? The wrath of God. Whenever you see it. Saved from the wrath of God. The ones who are in the first resurrection become priests unto God and unto Christ. We are a royal priesthood. We are his chosen nation. We've talked about those things. We are his people. And so God has given us this this reality now, but during millennium, we're going to have assignments. We can hardly understand what those are, but somehow we will judge with Christ, help to enforce his lordship, over all the earth and over all humanity on the earth during the thousand-year reign. But there's no question of our relationship because as the promises say, so shall we ever be with the Lord. And eternal life is what? Eternal. It's forever. Eternal life is eternal. It's not temporal life. And when did you receive eternal life? The day that you believed. The day that you opened your heart to believe you received eternal life. That's a done deal. And the promises we read in a couple of past lessons, the promise of God is you'll you'll never, you can never cause yourself to perish. You'll never be forsaken, never changed. God won't even allow it to happen. And neither will it ever be seeing that your name could be blotted from the book of life. It just won't happen because you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You have the Holy Spirit? Then that's your seal, your guarantee. So what about these resurrection events? All right, that's on page two. And so I've got five different resurrection events that I can pinpoint in the scriptures and I'm not going to go through all the scripture references you got Bibles you can read these but 
the first resurrection, the first event, I'll say it that way, the first event in the first resurrection is Christ's resurrection. Because without that, there are no any other resurrections. We're all dead in our sin. But 1 Corinthians 15, 20 tells us that Jesus Christ is the first fruits of that resurrection. I am going to read that verse. 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to be looking at more of chapter 15 in a little bit, but 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He has been. Anastasis, made to stand again, raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. The first fruits. That means he's the first of a huge harvest which is to come. And I've shared this before, but let me say it again. In the Hebrew, the first fruits was a festival they held in the spring of the year. We have our Thanksgiving time in the fall when everything comes in. They had their Thanksgiving time in the spring when they saw the buds on the vine, when they saw the almond blossoms, when they saw the, the peaches coming into fruit, when they saw the blossoms on the fig tree, when they saw the little barley six inches high coming out of the soil. They had their, quote, Thanksgiving festival. It was called First Fruits. And they gave thanks to God for what he was going to produce. Well, on that day of the first fruits, the third day after Passover, what happened the third day after Passover? Jesus, what? Rose from the dead. And on that same day, the priests were out in the field throwing little hoops over circles of grain, hoops over parts of the vine over limbs on trees and blessing those gatherings saying this is the evidence that we're going to have a harvest they didn't just take one little shaft of barley they didn't take one little blossom they took a bunch why because when jesus came out of the grave what happened a number of the old testament saints came out with him there was a bundle all right and what did that tell them? There's going to be a harvest. Right? This is the evidence that there will be a harvest. Now, when does the harvest come? At the end of summer. And what is the harvest festival? The Feast of Trumpets. They blow the trumpets. They give the signal. They gather all of their grain, all of their production, they give God thanks for all he has given them. They already thanked him for what he would give them. Now they're giving thanks for what he has. What's going to happen when we hear the trumpet? <laughs> At the sound of the trump, the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we are his, who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them. So Jesus' resurrection is the evidence that there's going to be a harvest. I'm in that harvest. Whether alive or whether in the ground, I'm going to be in that harvest because I am one who has believed. And so this is the promise of God that he is going to raise with Christ. He's just the first fruits. Reading on verse 20. But in fact, Christ has raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by man came death, that's Adam, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead, that's us. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end. In the scripture, there's, there's two phrases that are used. The first Adam and the last Adam. The first man and the second man. 
right? So there's the first Adam was who? Adam. Yeah, great, great. You guys are really on the ball tonight. <laughs> so the first Adam was Adam. The last, uh, not the second Adam, because the second Adam was Cain, right? And then Abel, and then Seth, right? So the, the first Adam and the last Adam, the last Adam is Jesus, because he is the last of that race. He fulfilled everything that was spoken concerning the seed of the woman. And he was the last Adam. But then there's the first man who was Adam. And the second man, not the last man, the second man. He's the last Adam, meaning he's the last of that category. Terminated. But he's the second of a new category. And somewhere down the line is me. I don't know how many billionth down the line I might be, but somewhere down there. We are all in him. So he's the second man, or the second, yeah, second man, last Adam. But we're in Christ. And when he raised, we raised. So, there's lots of other scriptures about Christ's resurrection. I don't have time to get into all of those. But look at chapter, or look point number two, the believer's resurrection in Christ. Because we have believed, we have been raised with Christ. Because we have believed, we have been raised with Christ. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3. Ephesians 2, I actually want you to use your Bibles a little bit today, it's okay. Ephesians 2, I could start in verse 1 and read all of it, but verse 1 simply tells us we are dead in our trespasses and sin, right? But look at verse 3, among whom we also lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy, so we were dead in our trespasses and sin. So, we were dead. We were born dead. I was dead until July 23rd, 1972. At the age of 22 and about three months, four months, I suddenly came alive. I was dead in my trespasses and sins, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. When he came alive, I came alive. A thousand years before I was ever born, I came alive because the day I believed, not only was I dead in Christ, I was raised to life in Christ. Amen. And so his resurrection becomes my resurrection. And so he was made alive. We have been made alive together with, in the Greek language, it's all one big Greek word, which means made alive together with. That's what it means, <laughs> right? So it's a, it's a word which means when he came alive, we came alive. And so all of this happened in, in God's eternity. There is no time. So it didn't matter that there was 2,000, almost 2,000 years in between. it. That doesn't matter. Because in, in God's mind, when I believed, I was dead with him. When he came alive, I came alive. So we died with Christ. We're raised with Christ. And look what else it says. And only that, he raised us up and seated us with him in the heavenly places. Made us alive together, raised us up together, and seated us with him in heavenly places. That's pretty good stuff. That's why verse 7 says, 
And here's a verse that just goes beyond our thinking. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. In other words, God has so much to show us about what he's done for us that we can't understand it till we get a glorified body <laughs> and a totally restored mind. It's, it's, it's immeasurable. And so it's going to take an eternity for us to understand all of the riches that we have in Christ. Is that, that's, just, that's just good stuff. So our resurrection is his. Romans chapter 6. We spend a little time in these, but not as much in every other one. Romans chapter 6, and this, again, a common passage. We almost all know it. Chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin... When did you die to sin? The day that you believed in Jesus Christ, you died to sin. Why? Because you died with him. Died to sin, still live in it. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism unto death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in a newness of life. We have been raised to life. I have a resurrection. Even before the rapture, I've been raised to life. How? In Jesus Christ. Raised to life in Christ. That's Romans 6, verses 1 through 4. Verse 5, For if we have been united with him in death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Has he been raised from the dead? Yeah, so have you. Not your body, but your spirit and soul. And so your spirit man has been raised to life. Your soul is in the process of being changed. But this resurrection is ours because of our belief in Jesus Christ. And Colossians chapter 1, let's look at that. Colossians chapter 1. In the fact that we have already received a resurrection. Colossians chapter 1. And uh, look at verse 12. Sorry, I can't take that. That's right. Verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father. Colossians 1 verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness, that's death, and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. So, all of this resurrection is ours when? The day we believe. It's ours now. As believers, it's ours. It's not something we're going to have in the future. Yet in the future, there is something else. That's called the rapture. And that is something that is in our future one way or another either you're going to be alive or you're going to be in a grave but you are going to experience the rapture one way or another first thessalonians chapter 4 verse 17 i know these are familiar passages we've looked at these things before but the truth is we have to keep going back and looking because we get pulled into other thinking I do not, verse 13, we do not want you to be uninformed. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13, I don't want you to be uninformed. It's not that you're ignorant and that you can't understand. It's just that you haven't got it yet. You haven't come to the full knowledge about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve, it goes on and on and on. Look at verse 17. 
Well, verse 16, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of the archangel, the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. The dead in Christ. All those who have believed. If they're dead in Christ, it's those who have believed since the day he died and rose again. So it's in the time of Christ. So this is the church. So all of those in the church, the dead in Christ, not the dead in the Old Testament. Although there were many believers in the Old Testament, multitudes of believers in the Old Testament, they have their place, but this is a separate group that God has honored called the church because we have believed in this life. We have accepted and believed, and so we belong to this select group called the church. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and are left behind, actually the Greek word means left behind, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. You know what? Right now we've been left behind. Our brothers and sisters who have passed on, they've received the glory, and we've been left behind. I don't like it some days. I really don't like it. But you know what? We are alive and remain. We'll be caught up together with them. So we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them. That's the word rapture in the Greek, or pogmas snatched out, grabbed, taken away, lifted out, caught up together with him to meet the Lord in the air. So this is the third event in resurrection. What's going to happen at this resurrection? We're going to receive glorified bodies. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. We will receive a glorified body. A body that is not subject to the elements of this world, to the physics and to the issues that are here. We'll talk about that. And when do we see that? When we are raised. We are changed into his image. This vile body will be transformed into his glorious body. That's that's awesome. And so the word vile means body of lowly stand or state. Why? Because this body is subject to the elements of this world. I can't fly. That's why I don't climb on my roof anymore. Right? And uh, there are things that this body just can't do. Some of them I used to be able to do, but not so much. But this body of lowliness will be transformed. And it's, it's a beautiful word to choose. That's Philippians 4, 20 and 21. Or Philippians 3, sorry. Philippians 3, 20 and 21. This, this vile body will be transformed. And the word transformed there is a, the Greek word which means a superficial change. Because I've already been changed in here. My spirit man's already perfect, created in his image and likeness. The only thing that's going to be changed at the rapture, if I'm still alive, or if I'm in the grave, the only thing that's going to be changed is this body. Because my spirit's already been changed. But this vile body will be transformed. Refigured into the image of his glorious body. Isn't that wonderful? That is a resurrection. All right? And so that's all going to involve our bodies. So those are the first three events in the first resurrection. The fourth event we find in Revelation chapter 11 when the two witnesses have been killed and they are raised to life and they preach and proclaim and then God catches them up and takes them to heaven. Resurrected bodies. And so this is a resurrection event for two people two and two only and so uh, that is a event within the first resurrection ever got that these are all first resurrection 
just different events. The fifth event in the first resurrection is the martyrs at the end of the tribulation and the Old Testament saints. You can call that two different ones, but because it all seems to happen at the same time, it all fits into one. And so at the end of the tribulation, all those who were beheaded, that's the ones we just read about, all those who have been headed, those who uh, would not take the image of the beast and the false prophet, those who did not worship him or bow down to him, those who did not join in the rebellion, uh, they will be raised to life. And then all of the Old Testament saints also will be gathered unto him. Uh, we find this in Old Testament passages, but especially Daniel chapter 12 and verse 2. Daniel 12 and verse 2 says, uh, <clears throat> verse 1 says, At the time shall arise Michael, the great prince, who has charge of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. That's a long verse. That's right? verse 1. But that's that's concerning the tribulation because it's a Jewish time and it's concerning the time of the tribulation and the events and the horrible things that they're going to go through for the seven years of the tribulation what's going to happen at the end verse 2 and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt there will be a resurrection of the old testament saints and the Old Testament dead. By dead, I don't mean physically dead. I mean spiritually dead. In the sense that they did not believe in the Messiah. They had not put their faith in the promised seed, the Redeemer that God had told them would come. They had never opened themselves to receive or believe in the one true God and his promise of a Redeemer. Those who believed, they will be raised at this time. All right, and so those are the five events. Uh, there are some other passages that deal with the resurrection of the Old Testament saints. You can read through those. Um, the last thing I want to cover tonight is going to be this contrast between the first resurrection and the second resurrection, which is death. All right, the first resurrection is unto life. The second resurrection is unto death. Now, it starts at the bottom of your page two. And it starts with passage familiar to all of us, though most of the time we stop reading. We read John 3.16 and then we quit. We don't read verse 17 and 18. And uh, people think, well, see, God just loves people. God loved the world. God loved everyone. Everybody that God loves, he's going to save. Therefore, the whole world is saved. And let's just all grab hands and sing Kumbaya. Right? Uh, no, it's not going to work that way. John 3.18 says this, Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Thank you, Jesus. Right? Condemned means held to judgment. Held to judgment. Actually, Held to damnation. I know it bothers you that I use that word, but that's what it means. Those who will face damnation, condemned. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. That's part A of the verse. That's the first resurrection. That's the resurrection of life. Those who what? What did they do? They believed in him. They it doesn't say anything about how great they were, how many things they did, how many people they won for the Lord, how long they lived, how long they served, whether they were ministers, whether they were uh, non-professionals, whether they were slaves, whether they were bond, women, whatever. It doesn't say anything. It says those who what? Believe. Believe. That's the key. Look at John 3, 18, part B, right beside that. In the second death column, but whoever does not believe, does not believe. Not that God chose to throw it into hell. Those who do not believe. 
is condemned already. In other words, as long as you don't believe, you're living in damnation already. Just like those of us who believe are living in eternal life already. I'm not there, but I'm there. Right? I am, but I'm not. Well, they are, but they're not. And as long as they do not believe, they are living in damnation already. They are dead unto death. Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Yeah, but they believed in this other God, or they believed in this religion, or they believed in this philosophy, or there are good people. In the de- That's not in there. And these are the words of, words of Jesus. Yeah, that's what I thought. Top of the next page. Further down in John chapter 3, the words of John the Baptist. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Sir, the word has. It's it. The Greek word simply means it's a done deal. It's already accomplished. It's over. It's complete. Has eternal life. Not will have, might have, could have, someday will be. No. Has, as a reality, eternal life. The second half of that verse, the right-hand column Whoever does not obey the Son, obeying the Son means believing what He said. What did He say? The Father sent me that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Who does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God, the next phrase, remains on Him. The word remains comes from the same word as abide abides on him it's sitting over him it's there the wrath of god remains all through their physical life the wrath of god remains waiting for them to do what believe and as soon as they believe they will not see death because they are transferred from one kingdom to the other but as long as they do not believe the wrath of god The word wrath used there is pending doom, the Greek word orge, and it simply means it's going to come. You keep saying, well, it hasn't yet, but it's going to. Your father's coming home, and he will talk to you when he gets home. All right, putting fear in the minds of children all through the ages. God remains. John 5. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me, what's that next word? Has eternal life. And here's the beautiful part. I love this part. And has passed, or he has passed from death to life. And has passed from death, passed from death, transferred from one kingdom to another, passed from death. I used to be under death. Now I'm under life. Passed from death to life. And then it says further in that verse, and he does not come into judgment. The judgment he'll never see. Does not come into judgment. Again, in the Greek language, this is a forbiddance. It cannot happen. John chapter 5, verse 28. Jesus said, do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. Whose voice? Jesus' voice. And come out those who have done good to the resurrection of life. What does he mean by done good? Believed in the only Son of God. Believed in the only Son of God. Verse 29b, the middle part of this. And those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. They're raised to be condemned. And then Daniel 12. We read this already. Daniel 12 verse 2. The first half says, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake and come some to everlasting life. Those who sleep in the dust shall awake some 
to everlasting life. Second half of that verse, some to shame and everlasting contempt. So we see these two contrasted. One is called the resurrection. The other is called the second death. There's no place where it calls where it uses the phrase the first death. But there is a first death. We have friends and relatives who face that. It's one thing to see the first death, that's just physical death, and it's there, and it happens. The first death is simply the death, the physical life, gone. But you see, it doesn't matter what happens in the first death. What, hap- what matters is what you did in this life. Did you, are, are you a believer who is still alive? Are you a believer who has fallen asleep? And it doesn't matter. Because the dead in Christ will rise. And those who have fallen asleep will rise first. God's going to give them a priority because they lived through their life believing. So they get raised first and then we're alive and remain or caught up together. I keep using that phrase. Paul used it. I'm using it. We who are alive. We, that means me in the group. Me in the group, right? We who are alive and remain, right? I'm part of that group that's going to see the rapture. I believe that. But if not, I'll be in the other group and I'll get to go first. (laughs) Right? So, one way or another. But it's never called the first resurrection. Or, I mean, it's never called the first death. It's called the first resurrection, which is unto life. It started with Jesus, and it awaits the end of the millennium. Now, there's a question, and I've read, again, (laughs) numbers of commentaries, and nobody has an answer. What about the people who, during the millennium, became believers? There's never any detail about what happens to them. All we know is at the end of the millennium, there's this great rebellion, and all the people that rebel are put to death, and then the next thing we read is all the dead are raised. It never tells us anything about what about the people who were born during the millennium and became believers. It, it, it just never tells us anything, which means what? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter to us because we're not going to be part of it. What happens to them is what God has purposed and planned for them, and they'll know, and they'll experience whatever God has. To me, they're going to receive a similar thing to our being changed. If they're alive and they are believers, they're going to suddenly have resurrection bodies just like what we have, which I'm going to talk about next week. We'll talk about resurrection bodies because I ran out of time. I always do. But I got all these notes just in case I don't run out of time. God forbid I let you go early. All right, so, because it's just hot outside. Well, it's kind of hot in here, (laughs) but it's not as hot out there. So anyway, okay, so this question is simply, are we going to be part of the first resurrection or are we going to face the second death it's as simple as that there's only two groups there's only two groups and the only way to be part of the first resurrection is to believe in Jesus Christ not believe in Buddha or some other way or this philosophy or that or just to write off the Bible say I just just don't believe this you can ignore this all you want but you will face the author of the book. Because God has appointed a day when all mankind will be judged by the author of this book. And we'll talk about that as we finally come to talking about the judgment of the dead. All right? Well, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the comfort we have in you. 
Our lives are secure. We're alive in you, but not like we're going to be. And we thank you, Father, you have a promise for us. You have a future for us. You have a glorious eternity prepared for us that we cannot even begin to imagine. So, Father, fill us with that hope that no matter what junk we're going through in this life, in our physical bodies, in our families, or in this world, Father, let us focus on the glorious life we will have with you and find joy and hope through those things. Father, I thank you that by your Spirit you'll help us also to have words to speak to others that they might hear, they might believe, and they might come to everlasting life. And we thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.